everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD and spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders, and thank you all so much for joining me. So as I mentioned before, this is a question and answer based podcast where you can send me questions and uh, about OCD and anxiety and all that stuff, and I will answer them, likely answer them on a future episode. If you send a bunch of you know, just a- angry ramblings or, you know, a- a- other such things. I, I prob- probably won't unless I put up another, you know, Fearcast After Dark episode, which, you know, could also be super duper fun. Um, but either way, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send me a, a question there by clicking on the uh, submit a question link. Uh, you can also send me an audio question. And guess what? And if you've said it before, I've said it before, you've heard it before. Audio questions will get priority, and they will get sent to the right, right to the top of the list, and that is what is happening today. So you can send it to me over at Instagram. I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. Go over and send me a direct message, and you can click on the little microphone thing, and it can um, uh, record it that way. Um, I got sent a message today by someone, uh, Dan. Thank you so much. And they, uh, the, the question, uh, he sent it in through uh, something called Recorder. I think it's a, I suppose it's an, probably an app where he records something and sent it to me. And you know what? It's super cool. It actually sent like a little, um, I, I, I don't know. He wrote out what he said. I'm sure there's a fancy word for it that my brain is um, uh, not coming up with, but um, that's what happens at the end of my day uh, when I have time to record and I, my brain stops working. So I'm, I'm really selling it on today's going to be a really uh, good podcast. So solid. Sorry, Dan. We'll see how this works out. Um, but either way, I appreciate everybody and, uh, uh, hanging out, listening to the podcast. Um, as I've mentioned as, as well, if, if you like the podcast, if you found it meaningful, if you found uh, uh, something in it that spoke to you or helped you even a little bit in your progress, um, go over to you know iTunes or wherever else you're getting your podcasts, write a review, uh, uh, give it a rating, five star would be appreciated but whatever you see fit. Um, and it, it, again, it only helps other people find it. The more people who listen, the more people who, uh, the, the more chances of, uh, uh, of questions, the more questions, the more podcasts, you see how this goes. Either way, thank you all uh, again, even if there's one person listening out there, oh, two, my mom, I think, listens sometimes. But if there are two people out there, Great. I'm glad the other person, Dan, in this case, is um, uh, hearing something. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to power through and get through two questions today. Uh, uh, one question from Dan and then another from uh, another person. So um, I don't have a whole lot at the top end of things. Here's there. Here are the two things that are stressing me out right now. Writing proposals for the IOCDF conference this summer. They're due at the end of this month. I'm trying to write them, and they've made it harder and easier all at the same time. Uh, instead of writing, you know, a couple of paragraphs to explain what I want to talk about, I get one paragraph, like 120 words. You try to explain yourself in 120 words. It's hard. I've spent way too much time writing that, and it's not for perfection, I don't think, even though I am going to propose something on perfectionism. Um, it's because it, it's I just had writer's block, and it sucks, and you sit there and like, how do I word today? I can't word. So I word the best I can. And I try to write something and I go, that sucks. And I delete that. And then I write something and it sounds a little bit better. So I go into the next sentence and then it doesn't make any sense because of the first sentence. So I get rid of the first one to try to write the first one again. Either way, it's a process and that's, that's where I'm at. 
The other is my mustache. Not that anybody was asking. I'm not going to post a picture of it. Um, my mustache is getting unruly. I decided to grow it out, and there's a very much a Yosemite Sam vibe to it. My wife says it's a little bit of like the Lorax. It's kind of it's going out like that. Like um, you know, I've, I say my mustache comes with the word fisticuffs, or you know, it 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 wants to ride one of those big wheel bicycles. You know, the penny, penny farthing things. Anyways. Um, it's a problem. I don't know if I like it or love it or if I hate it and I don't, shouldn't have it. Either way, no one is seeing and no one is telling me to stop. But then my brain goes, is anybody giving me honest feedback? I don't know. Either way, it's going to happen. So if you see me this summer in San Francisco at the IOCDF and I look like Yosemite Sam, come up and say howdy. That'll be super fun. So either way, we're going to get into the questions. Enough of my yammering. And uh, the first one will be from Dan. And then the second one is going to be from LA Girl. So um, I assume it's Los Angeles Girl. It could also be Louisiana Girl. I don't know. Either way, LA Girl. Um, so let's get into that. First one is an audio question from Dan. Hey, Kevin. Is it true that OCD and anxiety can mask your ability to feel love? Whenever I would search my feelings towards my ex-girlfriend, the anxiety and panic would feel like a 10 out of 10, but positive feelings were almost non-existent, which made it very difficult not to buy into that idea that she simply wasn't right for me and that I wasn't in love. Feel the fear and do it anyway and fake it till you make it is often advice you hear with anxiety disorders, but I always just felt like I was being deceitful when I tried to kind of push through in that way in our relationship. I always just felt numb, triggered, low, as I just had these intrusive thoughts all the time sabotaging what we had. We've recently broken up due to it all just being too much. I have recently been diagnosed with ADHD, which I know causes emotional dysregulation as well, which could be a factor. Would love to hear what you think. Also, just wanted to say, love the podcast and the energy you bring to your work, and thank you for doing what you do and for being a voice for those of us dealing with anxiety issues. All right, Dan, thank you so much for sending in that audio question. Again, he sent it in through, what was the name of that app? Oh, man, where is it? Recorder. It was great. I like that app. So if you guys want a question, you want to send one in, Recorder seems to be a thing that works. All right, Dan. Oh, man, thank you so much. So, I mean, you're... You're asking a great question, and there are a lot of things in there that that kind of rose up some some uh, um, some follow up questions. Gosh, I wish you were here in the office to talk about these things and and give um, and let me ask some follow up questions. But alas, I'll do the best that I can. So, it, the the main question it sounds like was can OCD or can you know OCD and or anxiety mask the feeling of love? So it's it's a tricky question in a sense. I will hear people talk about how, um, you know, when they feel anxious, they they just don't feel love, right? Or they can't, they they'll sometimes say, "I just can't feel love anymore," right? Or I don't. They say they come to the conclusion, "I I don't love my partner because I don't feel that feeling," right? So when you say it's masking that feeling of love, what also comes to mind is kind of like it's you know like a facade, like tricking you. Right, like someone wearing a mask. Right, like you know, love is there, but love is wearing an anxiety mask. So all you see is anxiety, and you're like, oh my gosh, love didn't come to the party. This blows. That's kind of what comes up to mind for me. What what I think may happen more often with anxiety and and OCD, and you know, we'll we'll put those together today. We usually do, I suppose. But what comes up to me is is when you're when you're anxious, when you're in 
a spike of anxiety and you are ruminating and you are stressed and you feel that sense of urgency, I've got to figure out, do I love this person? Do I love this person enough? Are they the right person for me? Am I going to have a totally terrible life? Oh, and your other one. I feel, um, you didn't say this word, disingenuine about being in this relationship. I'm misleading her. I'm deceiving her because I don't feel that love feeling. Oh my goodness. You're not feeling love then. You're not feeling love. You're feeling anxiety. That's what's there at that moment, right? But that's the moment that you're really looking into it. When you're spending a lot of time, so I guess, so I suppose the answer is, can it mask love? I think it can be, I think it can distract you from love. It can suck your attention away from the, the opportunities to feel love or happiness or joy or fill in the blank, right? Interest, intrigue. Anyways, um, Empathy. Anyways, you know, feelings, other feelings that one can feel um, other than, you know, anxiety. So it can distract you so that you're not noticing or you discount when you do feel it. I sometimes hear this when I work with ROCD folks is, you know, yeah, there are times that they feel the lovey-dovey feeling. It feels good. It feels nice. But then they promptly ignore it because they have that feeling of anxiety. And the feeling of anxiety trumps the feeling of love or affection or desire or interest or arousal. They feel anxiety and they say, well, it doesn't matter that I felt love that one time. They go, of course I should. Of course I felt love then, right? I had a couple drinks in me and we felt lovey-dovey, right? Or it was, you know, it was, I don't know, Christmas and you're supposed to feel lovey-dovey feelings, whatever it might be. Anxiety in this instance, for some, trumps the feeling of love. Again, as I've said, love, when you're feeling, when you're scouring your emotions and what you're feeling, and you feel anxiety, that sense of urgency kicks in and you're not feeling love, you are feeling anxiety. But it doesn't mean then you don't love this person. It means that right then you don't have the momentary experience of that emotion that you've asked for. And instead, you have the feeling that you have conjured or sought out or just experienced just, at, you know, sometimes we just feel anxious or we feel disconnected or we feel neutral or we feel bleh about the other person, right? And it's not because of that, other, it might not necessarily be because of that other person. It might just simply be because you're not, you're just, we're dynamic people and you're not feeling it, right? You're not feeling them, you're just not feeling that feeling, Who among you, everybody, feels one feeling all day? I hear some people out there saying, I do, and it's anxiety all day. But I'll challenge you and say you probably don't. You are the, the, I love the phrase, anxiety will always go away as evidenced by it coming back, right? Sometimes you'll say, oh my gosh, I got smacked with anxiety and oh, then I just felt the rest of the day. It means it wasn't there before. Something else was there. It might've just been fine, right? Anyways. So we have these feelings, and sometimes they're going to be there, sometimes they're not, right? But the, la- the, the absence of the, f- the feeling of love does not mean it is an absence of 
love, the broader feeling of love. You can still love someone without feeling that feeling of love. I've asked this question before, and Dan, you can think about this, and whoever else out there is listening. Um, well, it's either my mom or it's Dan, apparently. So, um, think about this, right? Um, I guess this is apt because it includes one's mom. Dan, have you? I'll ask you, do you love your mom? Right. Most people say yes. Now, Dan, if you have a strained relationship with your mom, think about someone who typically you would love. Right. But more often than not, we, when we say, hey, do you love your mom? We say yes. And they say, have you ever been mad at your mom? And they go, well, yeah. I said, okay, in, in that moment that you were mad at her, did you not love her? I said, no, I love her then. I'm like, Right. Because you can love someone and not feel the momentary emotional lovey-doveys, right? So we can have more than one feeling and more than one tr- truth. <laughs> I hate that. But it, more than one reality of us, right? We love someone, we don't feel that love, right? We can be mad at someone and still love them at the same time, but feel mad. All right, I've beat that dead horse enough. Um, So, Dan, one of the problems within ROCD isn't the fluctuating momentary experiences of feeling. It is the rumination about said feelings and the scouring of emotions. Do I love this person? Do I love them enough? Let me compare them to previous relationships. Let me compare them to what, I don't know, some random benchmark that we've set up for ourselves of this is how I should feel, right? So, it is that process that is pulling you away from the relationship and pulling you away from experiencing the feelings like love or arousal or interest or excitement or joy. Instead, you're stepping into this process of looking for love and questioning it. It's a hard process because we rarely ever decide in that process, yes, we do indeed love them because in that moment we don't. Okay. Meaning, meaning that we don't feel that feeling. You, I, I beat that dead horse. I'm not going to go back to it. So the, the part about fake it till you make it and feeling disingenuous, there is wisdom in that and there's importance in that. It's that in relationships, oftentimes we rely on that which we know about the relationship. We know that we love them. We know that we are interested in them. We know that they are great. And they can be obnoxious and frustrating and annoying sometimes, myself included. So, we do fake it till we make it in terms of we not fake it until we get that 24-7 orgasm of love, right? It's we practice the process of being in the relationship, which means we do things for the other person. We care about them. We express empathy. We try to join with them on our mutual interests. We try to um, I, I find out, we just take steps towards a positive and healthy relationship. And in the process, oftentimes we feel good feelings and sometimes we don't, right? But we're letting ourselves be open to the feelings that are there. And if you don't feel the lovey-doveys in that moment, we say, I'm not feeling them. And that's okay. I can still pursue this relationship. We do this with our job. If you love your job, there are annoying parts about your job and you continue to do them. So it's, it's, it's a bummer to hear that you broke up, as you said, because it's all just too much. This is 
unfortunately, some of the, this is a very common outcome within relationship OCD is that people break up because either they've concluded they don't love them as much or enough or rightly, or they break up because the process of rumination and comparison and uh, questioning and reassurance seeking it draw it just drives this giant wedge between the partners, and it's no longer about this person and building this connection. It is about looking for this, you know, e- e- ephemeral thing, love, or evaluating something that we don't we are unable to do. Am I going to make this person, or is this the right person for me? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's part of that uncertainty. Is saying. I don't know if this is the right relationship for me, but you know, maybe this is the wrong relationship for me too. And I'm going to go make the best of this wrong relationship that I can. And it can be hard to sit with that. And it feels like, you, it, you, yes, you're also going to sit with that feeling of it, of it feeling like you are lying to your partner, but you're not lying to your partner. You're not sitting there going, you know what? I know I don't like them. I know I don't love them. They're annoying and I hate them so much, but I'm going to be here because I'm trying to ruin their life and mine too. If that's what you're doing, Dan, it's good that you broke up, but I can't imagine that's what you're doing. You were sitting there going, I like this person. I like him a lot. And yet, do I like them enough? Do I like them rightly, fully, etc.? So to the initial question, can OCD and anxiety mask the feeling of love? What OCD and anxiety do is it distracts you from the opportunity to feel love. So, in this process, in the next relationship that you're in, or if you find, if you find, uh, if you get reconnected with your ex, I don't know when, where your relationship status is today. If you get reconnected, practice that uncertainty. Practice that 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 be. Practice allowing yourself to be a dynamic person and allowing your your relationship to fluctuate in and out of feeling love and feeling nothing feeling neutral about them, and then allowing it to return back to love or return back to wherever else it's going to go and be interested, be, be curious about where your day and your emotions go. Ride those waves of anxiety, not knowing where they go, not trying to be angry that they're going in a direction. See where they go. And try to build the best relationship that you can with your partner, trying to work at, work that out. So, Dan, I hope I hope some of this was helpful. I really do appreciate your question. Um, and uh, and again, if it feels like I missed something or it was not complete, uh, please get back to me. I'd love to hear some feedback if I if it feels like I missed something. But um, but I think one thing for you to practice, uh, you know, I mean, you could certainly script out that you're not that you just don't feel love for this person, right? And but ultimately, the the main thing for you to do would be to re- resist or minimize the amount of time you are spending in that 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 wild ruminative process, that comparison or comparative and evaluative process about your emotions and what you're feeling. But instead, to kind of ride the wave of that feeling. Here's what I'm feeling today. Cool. Is this a direct? But does I, is this a direction that you know I, I'd like to be moving in? And is is workable, is okay, right? So, Dan, I hope that was helpful. Um, And uh, again, thank you so much for your question. All right, let me see if I can pull up my other question from LA Girl. I think LA Girl, is that what I said? LA Girl, yeah. All right, 
here we are. So I'm going to read it and we're going to see where it goes. Uh, they say here. Okay, here we go. Um, I struggle with OCD on and off, or I've I've struggled with OCD on and off for most of my life. In 2021, it presented, presented itself as ROCD. I've been seeing a therapist and doing ERP since 2022. I've seen I, I have seen some progress, but like most, I have good days and bad days. My problem, finally getting into it, uh, there was a little bit before this, just in case anyone's wondering. You guys weren't wondering, anyways. My problem is that while the ROCD theme is consistent. Uh, is consistent, the topic of the theme switches. One week, uh, I'm fretting over whether or not we spend enough time together. The next, I think he's an alcoholic. She says, parenthetically, he's not. Uh, She goes on to say, um, then uh, I'm trying to figure out if I find him funny. Sometimes it changes so many times, even within a week. For example, early, earlier this week, I was obsessing over whether or not uh, he he would end up as his dad, parenthetically, who is not a great person. Now I'm obsessing about whether or not he's tired of me, is slowly falling out of love, and will leave me. Even though he has uh, assured me that he is in it for the long haul, uh, uh, he's very patient and understanding, and I'm scared that I'm uh, that I'm thinning that out. I know that oh, I know that being on the receiving end of OCD can't be easy, so I want to feel secure and comfortable in this relationship for many reasons, values, goals, interests, align, etc. My question is, how do I overcome these rapidly changing fears and obsessions? It's very demoralizing when you have to think about finally overcoming your obsessions only to be hit with another variant of the theme. Uh, Or then she says, uh, or is this just what recovery looks like, learning how to tolerate new obsessions every time they come up? You're onto something, LA girl. Okay, she ends this. She says, "Um, also, do you have any advice on how to stop checking or feeling uh, that would, or check for feelings that would be, uh, that would be appreciated as I'm currently dealing with that right now? Sorry if this is long, uh, or if, I, if you just recorded answering my previous question, she, answer, she emailed this to me, this question to me a couple of months ago, and then she emailed it to me again because I didn't answer it a couple of months ago because I've gotten a lot of questions. Anyways, um, Anyways, all right, so LA Girl, thank you so much for sending this in and being diligent about this. I I do get to questions. I'm telling you, there is there's a long backlog, and I I suppose other podcasters may just ignore the other questions, but I feel obligated because you, you, the listeners out there took the time to send me these questions. I feel obligated to respond to them. And there's a long backlog. I've gotten a lot of questions, and there's only so much podcasting one man can do uh, in his time, in his life, and still have uh, life. Um, so I, I apologize if you sent in a question, and man, I haven't gotten to it. Please know I haven't forgotten about it again, unless you sent in some very hateful, angry nonsense, or it was just I, I just couldn't get to it. It was redundant with another one. Anyways, there there are reasons, but I I answer probably ninety nine percent of the ones that get sent in. So LA girl and anybody else out there who's waiting for like when's Kevin gonna answer my stinking question? It's coming. It's coming again. Unless you send an audio question, and then it's gonna get preferred because again, it how how great was it to hear Dan right or and 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 Jen from last week or the week before it's great. It's, it, it's, it's wonderful to hear your voice. All right. So you know, for that, all right, LA girl, couple of, couple of things. So there, it sounds like there's two main questions. One, how do you deal with the rapidly fluctuating, um, themes? 
And then secondly, how do you stop checking the feet for the feelings? All right, I'm going to answer the second one first. Um, my sarcastic self is just to say, well, how do you stop checking? Well, you just don't check. But I know that sounds very empty, right? It, one thing to think about is, is, you know, LA Girl, you can check out a lot of the stuff from um, Michael Greenberg. He, um, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times before. He's kind of all over. He has a whole website full of information about rumination. But his main thing is talking about, is talking about the checking and rumination and evaluation, all the stuff that goes on inside. His, a, a lot of the thrust of what he's talking about is, is that the rumination is the problem. The compulsion is the problem of all of this. I agree with him on that. It, but, to, I mean, I, I, it's tricky to say, you know, just stop, right? If you could just stop, you would have done it already, right? But there's an element of stopping and stopping the process that is unhelpful and instead picking up on a process that is more helpful and beneficial to your life, Right? So how do you stop checking? Well, first is to notice, to catch yourself when you are going down the checking process. Is there a thing that you do? Is there a place that you go? Is there a thing that you see or think or feel or touch or, or, or sense that starts to cause that process, right? So first being aware of when you check, right? Maybe it's going to be that when you're driving, that's when you tend to be in your head. Maybe it's late at night. That's when you're in your head checking for your feelings. Maybe it's when your boyfriend or your partner is over. That's when you start to get that fee- That's when you start to evaluate, right? So knowing when you're going to go into that, that path, think of the, think of the thought or the urge to check your feelings as an invitation, as an option. Say, hey, LA girl, would you like to evaluate your feelings about your partner right now? And you can say, I'm good. Now, it doesn't mean that in that moment you don't check, you don't notice what you're feeling. But as Greenberg would talk about, there's a difference between something coming into your awareness, something having your attention, and something that you're ruminating over. Something that pops into your attention the feeling about how the feeling that you have and then the more attention and energy we give it that's when it starts to be that's when it starts to come into our uh, that's when we give it attention right awareness it's just we, we are aware of it attention it's the thing we're giving a little bit more energy to and then there's rumination and that is thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and evaluating it and looking at it from that angle and this angle Things are going to pop into our awareness. The feeling that you have might pop into your awareness. But we don't want to be giving it our attention. And that's where we decide where are we going to place our attention? Is it going to be on the feeling internally? Or can we redirect that outward towards somebody or something else that is more of more benefit? It feels risky to do that because, again, if you stop checking your feelings, oh my gosh, you might miss it. You might you might not get to the bottom of it. If you got to the bottom of it where you finally go, oh, you know what, I, I do love them. Or you get to the bottom of it and you go, oh my gosh, I don't love him. I should break up with him or divorce him or whatever it might be and get on with, let him get on his life. I'll get on with my life. It'll be this big, great, wonderful, magnanimous motion for me to, to release him from my clutches, right? In, instead, we're going to risk that you might miss that and live this empty, hollow, loveless life. Maybe. Or, in the redirection towards the relationship and towards him, 
you see him for who he is and you see him and build this relationship and make the best of it that you can. Not the best relationship on earth. One person on earth has that. The rest of us just have relationships, right? So we're not going to have the best relationship on earth. It's kind of like the lottery, right? One person wins the lottery. I say that because I have a note on my hand to go win, go win the lottery. Um, I, if I win the lottery, everybody, I'm still going to do the podcast. I'm going to do it until I stop getting questions um, or I die, either one. Um, I hope the first one happens first, but, but you know, we're, let's all be open. Anyways, so um, as I mentioned before, I have life insurance now. So I guess, you know, in my, I have roller skates and my, my wife bought me because she's trying to kill me, right? That's how that works. So um, where was I going? I should say the roller blades. They're not the roller skates, like the four-wheel square ones. It's the four inline ones. I say that like it's somehow cooler as a, you know, almost 40-year-old. It doesn't matter. It's 2023. I can I can have roller blades if I want to and call them roller skates. All right, so Jen, or excuse me, not Jen, uh, LA girl, I hope that makes sense about how do you stop uh, checking for your feelings, right? And there's a lot, there's a lot more to talk about that in terms of mindfulness and shifting. So what uh, the other aspect of things is, um, you know, how do you get used to? So you, I think you answered your own question actually. Um, and you said like, how do I stop the fluctuating feelings? Right? You don't. That's as the meme would say. That's the neat part. You don't. It's that. Your brain's going to give you these thoughts. I, it sounds like we want, you know, sometimes we want to think about the core of this. Like, what is it that your brain is trying to figure out? Like, why is it focused on your relationship? Oftentimes with relationship OCD, it's because there's this overwhelming fear that you're not with the right person and you're going to live a terrible life and you're throwing your life away or you're causing harm to this other person. So you need to figure it out, right? It can be a lot of things for a lot of different people. But it sounds like it's going through all these different things that, you know, maybe theoretically problems or maybe annoyances or maybe, you know, genuine struggles within the relationship. And your brain goes, is it because of this? Is it, is this the thing that's the problem? And goes, and you go, not really. And you go, okay, well, well, what about, what if, what if it's this one? What if it's just not very funny? What if, oh my gosh, how terrible would it be if I don't find my partner funny? I mean, there are a lot of not funny people in relationships, right? But why would that be so bad, right? Is the relationship built on his funniness, or is it just an aspect of things, right? It notice it's going more smaller and smaller and smaller to try to figure something out, right? You said like, oh no, what if he's an alcoholic? And you went, he's not, right? Like, is there evidence for this, right? Oh no, what if I don't find him funny? Well, first off, he may not be funny. I don't know. But, you know, do you kind of get a chuckle every now and again? Does he say bad jokes every now and again? We say bad jokes every now and again, right? You can talk to my wife about that. Um, I'm the one who says bad jokes, um, She's a completely regular, normal human. So, so the, the thing you said, let's see if I can find it. Or you said, or is, uh, is this just what recovery looks like? Learning how to tolerate new obsessions every time they come up. Boom. That's what it is. And by tolerate, it doesn't mean like. By tolerate, it doesn't mean hold on to and figure out. Tolerate means acknowledge the existence of the new obsession. No one ever said you have to evaluate and figure out every new obsession. No one ever said you had to figure out any obsession either. So it's to tolerate the flood. It's to, I feel like the word tolerate is lacking in this. I wish I had a better word. 
other than coexist or notice or acknowledge the new obsession. It floats in. I like the um, the illustration of you know looking at looking at the clouds in the sky and as they you know they shift and morph and move throughout the day like they don't stay static, right? This one floats in. It looks like a duck and then it turns into a dinosaur and then it, then it's gone. And then another one comes in and it kind of looks like your aunt Margaret and then it turns into an elephant. I don't know whatever it might be. But the point is, is that they shift and change and we don't go. Oh my gosh, it looks like aunt Margaret. I should call her. No, we go. Oh, it looks like Aunt Margaret. Cool. I wonder what it's going to turn into now. The cloud is not your Aunt Margaret. The cloud is the cloud, and your brain just happens to think it kind of looks like Margaret, right? Well, you let it shift into something else, and you let it shift out of that without latching onto it or trying to apply meaning or seek meaning. Instead, we say, oh, there it is. And where, where do I want to place my energy right now? Now, you could spend all your time, you know, calling up Aunt Margaret if you really want to, right? Because it, you saw a cloud that looked like it. If you have that thought that says your partner is not funny, you can say, cool, I guess sometimes he's not funny. And by the way, if he's not funny, sometimes acknowledge maybe sometimes he's just not funny, right? And is that the end of the world? Oh, he's an alcoholic. <gasps> oh, what if he turns into his dad? Well, We'll see, right? We want to look for evidence. And so relationship OCD, I think, is going to be a combination of two things, genuine relationship issues or potential relationship issues and OCD. Or the genuine relationship issues responded to with OCD, right? So if there are characteristics about your, your, your boyfriend, is it boyfriend? Is it partner? I don't know. It's your partner boyfriend, husband? I might have said it. I'm looking for it. I'm trying to see where your relationship status is. I don't know. You have RCD. That's all you've said. Point is, um, there might be characteristics that you kind of go, mm, that kind of reminds me of your dad. Oh, man, I hope it doesn't turn into that. I mean, because, yeah, if your hus or husband, boyfriend, partner, uh, live-in, I don't know, person, um, it turns into that, wouldn't that be bad? Wouldn't that be unwanted? Yeah. Well, you could have those conversations, but also say, we're going to see where it goes, right? It doesn't, we don't need to then back into the, the, uh, back into the rumination process. So again, you've answered the, you've answered your own question, learning to tolerate when every time they come up, you said you love your partner. He's great. Great. And know that there are going to be these thoughts that come in and can you practice not answering them? Can you practice leaving them be without trying to figure out if you're going to be in the worst relationship possible? Because I'm willing to bet if you chase every rabbit down the rabbit hole, you are going to have the worst relationship possible. And it's probably going to end. Talking to you, Dan. So, Ellie girl, I hope this was helpful. Um, I know I kind of um, got off track, perhaps. And um, uh, either way, uh, either way, I, I hope this was helpful to you, Ellie girl, and I hope this was helpful to everybody else. In the sake of time, I'm going to slide the um, the ending music right here. Thank you all so much again for listening to the podcast. If you like the podcast, please write a review. Please give it a rating. If you would like me to answer a question, send in a question. Audio questions will get answered sooner than others. Um, I've got a couple of fun interviews lined up, so I'm excited for those. So stay tuned. 
Um, but uh, everybody, please remember that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to FearCast Podcast and go over to the Find Help link, and there's going to be some information for you there. Everybody, uh, it's been a pleasure. Until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously.